before we make any recommendations, we're really learning about you. That seven, 10 minutes you get with your doctor, we're flipping that on its head to really uncover what's true about you. Welcome to She Speaks How She Does It, a podcast about inspiring women to speak up and be heard. I'm your host, Aliza Freud, the founder and CEO of She Speaks. Each week, we give an amazing woman the platform to share their knowledge and advice on a topic impacting women while sharing insights from our community of quarter of a million women. Listen in each week to be inspired to speak up and be heard. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're all having a great week so far. So if you're somebody who has had the experience of feeling not quite yourself, you feel lethargic, or you feel um, like you are gaining weight, you're not sure why, because you're not really changing what you're eating, um, you're just having feelings of not feeling great, and you go to your doctor, your doctor runs some blood tests, and they're like, well, we checked your thyroid, we checked this, everything kind of seems normal, and... And you sort of walk away feeling like, well, I didn't really get any answers to to my questions. I'm still feeling the same way and I don't really have an answer. And we have talked to countless women who've told us that they've had that same experience. Then I think today's episode is going to be really interesting to you. We have on Andrea Nakayama and she is a functional medicine nutritionist. She has trained thousands of other practitioners of functional um, medicine and nutrition. And what we talk about is how you can go beyond and go deeper to really understand the root cause of what's going on with you. Um, All of these things that happen to many, many women um, and what Andrea uh, and, and many other people like her do is they really become almost like investigators. They look at what are you eating? How are you sleeping? Even how are you having bowel movements? All of these things become part of the overall functional uh, medicine and functional nutrition part of of how they operate. So I think you'll find this episode really interesting and give you some good things to think about if you are one of the people that I mentioned um, uh, earlier that uh, has had experiences where you're not feeling yourself, you're not feeling great, but you're not getting answers from more of the traditional going to the medical doctor. So with that, um, I'm going to let Andrea explain it further and uh, we're going to jump right into it. Here we go. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Elisa. Well, I am very intrigued by the whole area of functional nutrition. So I'm I'm hoping that before we jump in to all of the questions that I have for you, you can talk a little bit and just define for people what functional nutrition is. Yeah, great question. And it's a great way, play to, place to start us off. Um, I know you've interviewed some functional medicine practitioners on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say that there are some gaps in functional medicine, but they're not just gaps in functional medicine. They're gaps in integrative medicine, holistic medicine, of course, in allopathic medicine. And those gaps are where we understand the nuances 
purposes of diet and lifestyle modification. So functional nutrition is in keeping with the principles of functional medicine, but we're doing what I like to think of as a double click on that diet and lifestyle modification, really understanding what that means for the individual. We're not coming out with a handout, everybody should be off gluten or dairy or sugar. We're really diving into what's your history? Where have you been? What's your relationship with food, with your body, with your history? All of that takes a level of guidance that I think we're missing even in functional medicine, um, but functional nutrition can pair with any kind of medicine, especially for those who are experiencing chronic health challenges. So let's say somebody is, what are the best um, use cases for yes. functional nutrition? Well, really, it can be for anybody who's experiencing any niggling thing to any big thing. My passion is working with what I call the big bigs, people who have big health challenges, meaning chronic health challenges, whether that's an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's or multiple sclerosis or lupus or cancer or diabetes or heart disease, chronic health challenges, chronic viral infections, long haul mm. COVID, Epstein-Barr mm. virus, understanding people who have been in the system for a long time. So that's somebody who has a big health issue. And then they've already made big changes. So my passion is working with the big bigs, big health issue, already made a lot of big issues, done this and that, think they've tried it all. They've been to all the doctors. They've even been to all the functional medicine or integrative medicine doctors. And they're still not in the place of ownership of their own health. But I train thousands of practitioners and not all of them are passionate about working with the big, big. Some of them work with the big littles, somebody who has a big health issue like Crohn's, but they're at the beginning of their health journey or little bigs. They have a little health issue, bloating, adrenal or fatigue issues, but they're ready to make change. Mm -hmm. Functional nutrition isn't for what I call the little, little. Somebody who has little health issues, they kind of want to clean up a little bit because it takes more time and energy and investment, not necessarily in what we do, but in the process of uncovering what's going on and what are our most viable next steps that are sustainable for you as a client or patient. Well, if I think about um, just one of the things we hear about, we hear from women all the time, right? It's, it's, oh, well, I'm, getting to a point where I feel fatigued. I'm gaining weight and I don't know why I'm gaining weight. So they go to their doctors and their doctors inevitably do a thyroid test. Yes. Thyroid test comes back normal, right? Or for many of them, maybe yes. not everybody, but a lot of them. And then it almost feels like your, your options stop. That's yes. it. It's like, well, that's the story. You don't have an issue with your thyroid. So it just must be how like, you know, how you're doing whatever you're doing, get more sleep, whatever. But there's not really any, um, any satisfactory response to it. I and I feel like we hear this from so many women. Yes. Can you talk? I feel like you're, you're nodding your head. Yes, this yes, is something <laughs> I'm aware of. <laughs> 
how many people come to you? How many women come to you with that exact scenario? And then what are good next steps for that? Yeah, thousands. I mean, the early parts of my career were really about addressing inflammation, hormone channel challenges, thyroid issues, and understanding what they mean at their roots. And, you know, my passion is to re-empower the patient. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of the economist and psychologist Daniel Kahneman, but he wrote the book Thinking Fast mm. and Slow. Mm -hmm. And fast thinking is what we do in medicine. It is where we need fast responses. We react really quickly. We look at those baseline markers and say, that must be fine. Functional nutrition is about the slow, deliberate thinking. It's about diving into who you are, what your history is, what have been the triggers in your life, potentially even ancestral triggers. Like how mm -hmm. do we understand how you were born and what led you to experience along your health journey, along mm -hmm. your timeline, these signs and symptoms. So even if we're not diagnosing it, we work in what I call the soil. So mm -hmm. I have a model that I call three roots, many branches. All of those things you're mentioning are branches on the tree. And medicine is meant to address or chop off the branch. Mm -hmm. We go deeper to the roots. There is no one root and in functional nutrition, we not only look at the roots, which I identify as the genes, digestion, and inflammation, but we get into the soil. What are the factors that actually nourish that root, even if it doesn't have a diagnosis? And I feel like this is a trap that we as women get into. We think the diagnosis is going to solve the problem. But even when we receive the diagnosis, there's gaps in our care because a lot of it comes down to what we do and don't do every single day. Mm -hmm. And those are considered our mediators. It's what I like to think of as our circle of influence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really a different approach, the slow thinking versus that fast thinking, this is what it is, this is what you take, one and done. So so then if someone comes to you with the, under the scenario that I just described, right, they are um, frustrated because they're still not getting answers to what's going on, what would you do for them? Like what would be the next step? So what we do is a very deep process that I call the art of the practice. And it's informed by the science and the physiology. But the first thing we're doing is a very deep assessment. Before we make any recommendations, we're really learning about you. That seven, 10 minutes you get with your doctor, we're flipping that on its head to really uncover what's true about you. We may be, if it's appropriate for you, looking at a food mood poop journal and mood for me is any sign or symptom so that we can start to make correlations. And I say if it's appropriate for you because some people are really, especially women, are really triggered by tracking their food through histories of diet culture and our mother's relationships to their bodies, our bodies, how we're supposed to look. So we have to enter in at the right place, gather the information, and ultimately look at 
what we're doing to support that body coming into balance. And that may be starting with what I call the non-negotiable trifecta, which is sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance. So mm -hmm. we may be assessing what's happening when you sleep, not you should sleep, but like what's actually happening? What time are you going to bed? What's the environment like in your bedroom? What's the temperature, the darkness? What are the whole, what's the whole experience through your nighttime? Are you waking up? Are you waking up to pee? Are you feeling rested when you wake? We're really diving in as opposed to being a command for what should be. So sleep, poop, blood sugar balance will be our first areas where we're building upon to ensure that we can take those next steps. Because if those things aren't happening, your hormones are out about, like we can talk about hormones till the house come home and I can. We can talk about the thyroid always. However, those things are going to be out of balance if we're not sleeping, pooping, and our blood sugar is out of balance. So would you be doing additional blood work? Are there, what is it that you would do for a woman who comes to get some answers? Yeah. So blood work is something we start with at the serum level. And I know you've talked to functional medicine practitioners who dive into what we call the specialty or functional lab testing. We like that too at the appropriate time. So for somebody who is coming to see us while we're assessing what are you doing, where can we move the dial now without looking at anything, we also like to see a full serum. That means your blood lab panel. And that's the stuff you can get from your doctor that isn't costing you extra hundreds or thousands of dollars. It doesn't mean we don't go to the stool testing or the hormone testing. We just do it more sequentially so that we're grounding and fixing what we can before we're investing in that next level of testing. So mm. we do like serum labs. They're the gross picture and they can tell us if you're dehydrated, if you have mm. blood sugar issues, in a full thyroid panel, which is serum, we can see where's the mechanism, not you have thyroid issues, but this is secondary to blood sugar issues. Can your thyroid issues resolve if we address your blood sugar? Can we address your blood sugar easily so that you feel more energy? Does this make sense? It's very methodical yes. versus diving in at what I call the tier three level where we're targeting the dysfunction, addressing that branch instead of what I call tier one, which are your non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. So how, if, if you were thinking um, in terms of um, just how you decided to get involved in this area of um, uh, thinking about functional nutrition, can you talk about your relationship with chronic health challenges that, that impacted your journey into this arena? Yeah, long story short, hopefully. Um, 
I definitely was struggling with some of my own health challenges that were the precursors of the autoimmune condition I have, Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that at the time. So it was this slow investigation for me of what I'm going to put in air quotes, food as medicine, what makes me feel better, what makes me feel worse. And Mm -hmm. then my husband was diagnosed with a, my late husband, with a fatal brain tumor when I was just seven weeks pregnant. So we were pregnant with our first and only child. He was diagnosed out of the blue. We were in our early Mm thirties and that catapulted my interest in what we could do outside of medicine. So Mm -hmm. we were you know, at the blessings of modern medicine, Mm -hmm. surgery, radiation, chemotherapeutic agents, but we were also at the mercy of modern medicine. And we were living in the gaps of what they could not tell us. He was given six months to live. Of course, I was seven weeks pregnant. We can Mm -hmm. do the math. And we wanted something different. So that's when I put on my research hat. I think of that time as my boot camp. I had a totally different career. I was had a very successful career in book publishing. This is second career for me. Um, and I researched and we changed our diet and we did all sorts of things. And uh, he lived two and a half years. So two years past his prognosis. So that was really my boot camp. So it took a little bit of time and, you know, being a single mom and working a hardcore career for my own diagnosis to emerge. And then me falling into the gaps of Mm. not being heard, being labeled. Mm. It must Mm -hmm. be the stress. Something's it's because you went through this loss when Mm -hmm. I knew something was going on. So that all kind of catapulted the career change, putting myself back through school, recognizing that there are these gaps that so many of us fall into in our current medical model. Again, not to point fingers at it, we just need a new kind of practitioner. Yeah. You, You mentioned before, food is medicine. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and how we should be thinking about food as medicinal? Because it's not a traditional uh, Western way of thinking. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot more about it in terms of Eastern medicine, um, but I would love if you could talk a little bit about what, what is food as medicine and um and do you think things are starting to evolve in the West, in, in the West, and think, and specifically in the United States, North America, where people are thinking about food more as a way to heal? Mm, such a good question, and I can only hope it's changing. We are in this moment in a time where there's a lot of. Uh, appropriate anti-diet culture, like I referred to. And the term food as medicine can be vilified in that conversation as well. And so when I say that, and again, in air quotes, the truth about nutrition is that it's not about right or wrong. Nutrition is about growth 
metabolism and repair. And that's what we want our bodies doing. We want our bodies to grow appropriately, to metabolize appropriately, and to repair appropriately. In fact, we want them to do so functionally, right? We want our bodies to function. And so there's a lot of things that we can consume that give our bodies, give our cells the nutrients, the food they need for those physiological or biological processes. And it includes where are we coming from? What's our ancestral history and what foods resonate in our bodies? How do we heal and what are we looking to heal? So when I'm thinking about food, it is not a handout, right? I think mm -hmm. what happens in uh, functional medicine and in today's culture of looking everything up on the web, food is about a specific diet. I should be eating keto. I should be intermittent fasting. And that's just not appropriate for everybody, given what's going on in their body. And we need guidance to understand that. So I think we, as a culture, are hopefully moving in the direction where we're recognizing it. But I, I think there's still a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and just to um, think about all of the information out there. And I think that's what's so difficult for people right now totally. is it, there is just there, it's not a lack of information. No, <laughs> it's a lack of, I think, in many cases, um, a place where people feel that they're getting um reliable information and a synthesis of that information, yes. right? It's not just because you can go online and see people recommending all different parts of it, yep. you know, at any given moment. And it can also drive you a little bit crazy, right? Yes. It, I, but what I love about what you said is, and I think it's important for people to understand is that nutrition and your body is extraordinarily personalized. Yes. It's about what works for you. And, and, and that then has to go into what has to be taken into account is what's going on with you. Exactly. And, or, and then you need to find somebody who can help you understand, you know, what is going on with you. Take the time to understand what's going on with you in order to then make recommendations about a plan that will work for you. Yes. And, and that plan is sequential. Otherwise you can't stick to it. Otherwise it's a diet and yeah. diets don't work. We have right. to make sustainable change. Mm. And you likely noticed in the beginning when you were like, what will you do? I don't make recommendations until I understand an individual. And mm -hmm. I train other practitioners to do the same because two people with Hashimoto's like mm. I have got there for different reasons. Um, I want to ask you about something that I have been, as you mentioned, I've talked with all different kinds of people on the show. Um, I've talked before with functional nutritionists. I have talked with MDs who have shifted into, into thinking more about functional medicine. Um, and, and here's something that um, I think we are, as women right now, we are struggling with the mental load that has come as a result of 
the last two years oh, yeah. for sure, but even before that. Yep. And uh, I have read a lot about how uh, what we put in our bodies very much affects are what goes on in our in our minds and our yes. mental well-being. Can you talk a little bit about the connection between um what I hear a lot of people call as an example your 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 real brain which is your gut. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and what goes on with our mental well-being. Yeah, such a good topic there and I just want to say my mantra for everything I do and for the podcast is everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. And that is based on my version of the functional matrix. And so everything is connected brings us into what you're talking about, Aliza, in terms of the gut is connected to the brain. The hormones are connected to detoxification, which is connected to the gut. We can't see the body in ologies like we've done in modern or allopathic medicine. We have to see through the connections. And so, yes, the gut, the enteric nervous system, our second brain, as you referred to, is deeply connected to our moods, our emotions through many circuits. There's the vagus nerve, which connects the two. There's also similarities in the barrier systems between the gut barrier and the brain barrier, the blood-brain barrier. And so they respond similarly to certain um, agents or inflammatory agents in the bloodstream. And so we have to be looking at those two and always thinking through the connections. Mm -hmm. And when we're working on repairing the function of the gut from head to bottom, we actually start to shift the mental state as well. One other thing in relation to what you were talking about, Eliza, is that we can't heal in a sympathetic state. And as women, we are constantly in a sympathetic state. A sympathetic mm -hmm. state is the fight or flight state. Mm -hmm. In order to heal, we have to come into rest and digest. And so mm -hmm. that process in the digestive system is really a key component to all healing. And not only are we in fight or flight in our everyday lives as women, as women who are achieving, as moms, if we are moms, but we are also in fight or flight when we're looking for answers to something that nobody is giving us answers to. Mm -hmm. We're on this drive for, well, they won't tell me, and I know it's somebody else will tell me, and I'm going to look for that next pill, protocol, practitioner. And again, that's putting us in the sympathetic state of the answer exists out there. And I, I don't mean to say it's all mindset and exists within us. We need a guide, but yeah. we have to shift that constant questing or we cannot come into our healing potential. When you say the, when you, when you talk about the way we think about it, it's that there are it's multi it's there's multiple elements to it. It's not just one element. Correct. And I think as I think we tend to look at things really as just okay, what's the one solution? Yes. And it sounds like what you're saying is we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace to recognize that we are complex beings. Yes. 
And there are, there, there are multiple facets to how we are going to heal ourselves and get better from whatever it is. And many of us, I mean, we, we just uh, did a survey with the She Speaks community and found that one in two women has suffered significant negative impact on their mental well-being just over the last two years. Yes. I mean, it is no surprise that mental health professionals are not able to keep up with the demand that's Correct. coming at them right now. But it also sounds like there is something that we can do and something we should be thinking about related to how, what we, what we're eating, how we're sleeping, how our bodies are working that are probably playing into the mental load that we are, that we are experiencing. Exactly. And this is where we take the driver's wheel back, right? Like you're talking right now about what my book is that I'm writing about where I'm going with that. So again, everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Lunch matters, sleep matters, exercise Mm -hmm. matters, stress and resilience matter, relationships matter. They all matter for that thing we're trying to find Mm -hmm. a solution to Mm -hmm. and we can't take it all on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And in my career, I started as a practitioner. I had a wait line for six months because Mm -hmm. I couldn't see all the people who were seeking this kind of support. And that's when I started training practitioners. So Mm. at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, I now have the opportunity to train 3,500 practitioners a year in our 10-month program. And my personal work is shifting back towards the patient, not just not as a clinician, I'm not Mm -hmm. serving as a clinician, but in really empowering women, especially women with chronic unresolved health challenges, to take this step back themselves, Mm. to understand what is my timeline? What got me here? How did I find myself in this situation where I'm overwhelmed, where I'm experiencing fatigue, weight Mm -hmm. gain, where I can't find a diagnosis, where I just got a diagnosis and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I really want to empower people to come into the truth of their healing potential. And it takes time. It takes that slow, methodical thinking and a care and attention like we would give to a sick child, but we do not give to ourselves. So if someone want, if there are women out there who are listening, who are feeling like they're not getting answers to what's going on with them from a health perspective, they want to do something about it. Aside from finding a practitioner, which we will hopefully have some information in the show notes where people can go look to find a practitioner. Can you talk about some things that women can proactively do? Because I think that's one of the other elements, you mentioned this, that we want to feel like we are an active participant in our health. I think we're, uh, you know, we're not the generation anymore that's like, well, whatever the doctor says, that's what it is, right? We're past Because we know that doesn't work. 
<laughs> right. We know well, right. And that was another generation yes. where they believed that the doctors were kind of the be all end all. Yes. And we do our we are more advocates for ourselves as it comes yes. to our health. Can you talk about any advice for what a woman can start to do now on her own? Yes. Yes. Uh, in order to become you know, get on the path yes. of being more healthy. Yes, absolutely. And there are so many things. And what I'm going to say to you seems basic, and it's not. The first thing I want to invite people to do is to discover or uncover your mediators, your non-negotiables. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we each know what makes us feel better and what mm -hmm. makes us feel worse. Make a list for yourself of what do you do or what have you done in your past that you know makes you feel better? And what do you do or have you done that you know makes you or your symptoms feel worse? And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking, which is another trap we can fall into. I'm talking about discovery of what moves us, what helps us feel our best, those moments happen for us. Incorporate more of those things that help you feel better into your daily routine. Make them a priority. We first really have to understand our own selves in order to enter into the conversations with more ownership and yeah. less handing ourselves over. Mm-hmm. In, in thinking about you just as a woman, do you have mental health practices that you utilize on a day-to-day -day basis that you can share that might be useful to our audience? Yeah, a thousand percent. I don't know what I would do without my practices and they have to be practices. So my morning routine is very important to me because I need to carve out time for me before the busy day gets started. And the day is busy. I'm teaching, I'm presenting, I'm writing, I'm leading. There's so much to do in a day. So my morning routine includes waking up and doing a half hour of posture exercises, really simple exercises. And during that time, I usually have some kind of uh, music or sound on that's setting the tone for the day. After that, I will do a short workout. So I do things in sprints, right? That's a half hour. Then I do about 20 minutes of weight or yoga. Then I feed the cat, put the kettle on, take some supplements, do all of that. I shower, I pull a tarot card every day, kind of set my intention and I meditate 10 minutes. Like mm -hmm. I just do these little things because I'm super active. I like to keep moving. It's hard for me to set aside long chunks of time or I won't do it. It's my time and I don't know what I would do without mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. I love it. That is great advice. We, we love this question. We ask everybody we have on the show to share one piece of advice that they wish they had known early on, that they could mm. go back and tell their younger self. What would you what would you want to tell the young Andrea? Oh my God, that poor younger self, right? Um, I'm gonna tell her. It's going to be 
okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like there's so much we go through. I feel like some of the worst case scenario happened in my life. I lost my soulmate. And mm -hmm. I remember when he was sick, I kept thinking, well, what, the worst thing that could happen is that he could die. And he did. Mm -hmm. And yet that, that experience has inspired me to do what I call post-traumatic growth, to move forward and to help thousands of people. And I, it wouldn't have happened without that experience. So I think, you know, just remembering and reminding ourselves it's going to be okay is mm -hmm. I think what I would tell the 12 year old self. I love that you said that. And I, I, I giggled a little bit at the beginning when you first said it, because I can't tell you how many women um, we've had on successful women from all different backgrounds who have said the same thing. And I, and there's something about, I think as women, we are so earnest. Mm. We want things to be right. We want to do a good job. We want our kids to be happy. If we have children, we want our bosses to be happy at our jobs. We, we want all of that. And I think that that brings on a, a level of anxiety totally. that we take on. And it's amazing to hear that consistent theme yeah. of, of looking back and wanting to tell that younger self to give her a hug and say, it's going to be okay. And thank you for spending your time with us today. Uh, if you. people want to follow you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, if you just visit me at andrianakayama.com, it will lead you to our clinic, to my training, and to anything that I'm doing in the new realm with this body of work focused back on the patient. Thank you. Thank you for listening to She Speaks How She Does It. We hope that this episode inspired you in your own experience and path towards success. Be sure to like and subscribe to follow our series of conversations. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. So join the conversation at She Speaks Up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also join She Speaks at shespeaks.com. Thanks for listening. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at shespeaks.com. Until next time.